1: Welcome to Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle and the reward at the end of the journey.
0: We know all of the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company, we wake up and hustle every day. And today we're talking, just the two of us,
1: about last week's episode with Megan Taylor. Artist, author, speaker, and educator. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts.
0: All right, Court, let's get started. I love that episode. I know it was a good she one. She was like
1: so authentic and real.
0: I know. And she was
1: smiling the whole time. She was. Can you like feel that in the podcast? I, I like hope literally, so. she talks and
0: smiles. Yes. yes, but I love her motto yeah. in life. It was, uh, work
1: hard, stay sweet, love God and love deep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a, a motto, like a life motto that you. Well, I think we
1: all know it. that I have a, a life motto. It's not so like curated as that though, but I mean, my life motto is, uh, life is a windy road. It's all about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. So I feel like you got to listen to the bends and turns and kind of flow where the river's
0: going. Yeah. Mine's not very curated. It's what we teach our kids more than anything, but it's just how I kind of live my life is be honest and be kind. Like before I say something, am I being kind? Am I being honest? Yeah. Doesn't do it all the time. Sometimes I'm not kind, but <laughs> it normally it's how I try to like do everything. Is this kind? Is this honest?
1: It's good. I think being kind and honest is good. Like I always in a situation that I'm leaning towards being dishonest, it always makes me, like, question my motive in that situation. Oh, yeah, totally. It's not necessarily about, like, the other person, but it's about, like, what about this situation yeah. is making me so uncomfortable that I feel like I can't be honest. Right. And it kind of gives me, like, a gut check.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree
1: with that. So I definitely think that's, like, an important life motto, even just for, like, how you feel about yourself, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And I think, too, like, and it kind of resonates a lot with, like, what – um Megan was saying like just even like just do it like yeah trust your gut Mm -hmm. like know that what the idea you have or the business you want to do is good enough and yeah just dive in just do it
1: which really reminded me of when she was talking about business and like We asked her, what was a good example or advice you'd have for those that don't know where to start in marketing yourself? And she said, stop comparing your beginning to other people's beginnings. And like that totally resonated with me because I remember right around the same time that we were opening the Bradford, there was another big venue that's still like the venue to get married at in our area that was opening. And their opening party was, I think like in January or February, whatever. Theirs was like a winter. Ours was like the fall of the next, of that same year, same year. I remember going to that opening and it was amazing, like otherworldly, so much fun, so glamorous. And I remember thinking, wow, I can't wait till it feels like that for us. And Dana looked at me and was like, it's never going to feel like that.
0: It didn't feel like <laughs> it that. It didn't
1: feel like that. <laughs> but I always felt like, I was always comparing myself or our venue to that venue, right? And it wasn't until like not that long ago that it was like, you know what? This is our journey and it looks different, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And our product is different. And it doesn't mean that it's better or worse. It's just different and that's okay.
0: There is always a healthy dose of comparison that helps you better yourself as a business. Like You have to pay attention to your competitors. You have to pay attention to you know what's going on around you. And if you can look at the comparison in terms of how can I look at this and like, maybe glean, why are they so successful or, you know, pay attention. I think that's fine. But where it gets damaging is where you can't seem to get over it. Yeah. It cripples you to the point where like, what's the point in trying, like, I'm never going to be as good as this person or this thing. And, but I mean, I feel like comparison on social media, isn't just business wise. it's It's, it's everything. I mean, like, I spend more time on social media probably on the weekends than I do on the weekdays because yeah. I'm, like, so tired. And I swear every Monday I start out with, I'm like, I better start working out. I <laughs> drink some green matcha tea to, like, flatten that stomach, you know, because you're just, you're just surrounded by this fake life ultimately, right? Yeah, with good angles. Right. And it doesn't matter how many of those things, like, this is me posing, this is me not posing, and the not posing looks exactly how I look, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's still, like, this this comparison of someone who's, like, oh, well, they have four kids and they have, like, a two-year-old. Like, how are they so energetic? Why are they so happy? Like, why is life seems so easy? And why does mine seem so hard? Like, it's, like, this pity party that you throw when, yeah. you get, when you get stuck into that comparison game. And so I've tried to, like, I can feel it when that happens. And I, like, I literally just turn my phone off and, like, walk away. Because I know it's just not healthy. Yeah, I mean...
1: You know, I'm not a huge fan of social media in general. I know it's like necessary in business nowadays. And I really didn't have any social media until I had a business. Honestly, like I don't even have a a Facebook. Dana can corroborate this or you could just try to look me up and not find me. Uh, So I never had that. So I I hate it, honestly, because I feel like it's this very like curated highlight reel of people's life. And it doesn't really allow you to know them any better. And like, I really got sucked into a lot of the like election stuff and whatnot. So I would creep, I guess would be a good word on Dana's Facebook, just so I could kind of see what some people were saying, like what was the word on the street, mostly with relatives. And I'm still, I still don't love it. Like, I don't love it. I don't think it makes you think any better of anybody, like what a lot of people put out there and the opinions and I don't know. It just feels like a well, very
0: I think, negative space sometimes. Right. But I really appreciated the way Megan approached it. She's like, it's a game. Why do you have a game on your phone? It is to enjoy yourself. And to me, I think she didn't say this, but the implication is if it's not enjoyable and you're treating it as whether it's a measuring stick or you're treating it as something that is super serious, like yeah. it's like the Bible to how you should live your life, then that's the wrong way to be looking at it because I do like social media. I feel like for me, it keeps me connected with so many more people that I, I never, yeah. it, cause I don't, I don't love talking on the phone. I get, I get tired. Like when someone calls and I know I'm like, this is going to be an hour long conversation. Like I'm just too exhausted to deal with it. Like I'd rather just like connect over a picture on Instagram in that moment. Sometimes I do want to have a phone call with somebody, but I mean, overall, like all these people these 20, 30 people, right, that I interact with on a daily basis, like I don't have time to talk to them every day, but I want to see pictures of their new babies, old clients. I yeah. want to cheer them on. Like I want to send that, you know, you look amazing. You've worked so hard. Congratulations on your job. New babies. Like I want to do all that stuff. Yeah, I'm just going to think about it as like Frogger and I'm just collecting
1: flies. I'm going to collect you and you follower and you while avoiding being squished. I also loved how she said that when kind of talking about uh, people again starting their business and judgment on social media, that you will never feel like you made it. And I look at her, she has like 40 or 50,000 followers and seems very curated, but not inauthentic. Like she seems to have the secret sauce for social media. And I look at her and I'm like, wow, like she's made it. And it's interesting to hear someone like her say, you never feel like you'll make you make it or you made it like no one's giving you a special reward at the end for like
0: being an entrepreneur. And I think that's so true. I do think that's true. But I think, too, the way I look at it is you'll never you never made it maybe by being recognized by the world. I think everybody has this pinnacle point in their business that they try to get to. For me, it's a certain salary Yeah, it's a certain like lifestyle. It's some freedom, you know, and to me, if I reach that point, whether the world tells me I've made it or not, I will feel like I've made it. Yeah, because I have reached that plateau that I think is that I've been fighting for. So some sort of like sliding scale for you between like,
1: how much money you make and how much personal freedom you have?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do think that but I think everyone has a different scale. I think that there's somebody who could walk into our business right now and say, like, oh, we made it. Uh Like, we're here. Yeah. And that'd be fine. You know, but I think everyone just has a different standard of what it looks like to quote unquote, make it. And I think the point is, is that the world will never tell you that. Like, if you're judging your success, and whether you have made it or not, on the ruler of the world, you'll never feel like you've made it because there's always someone better than you out there. There's always something greater than what you're doing out there. Right. There's always a standard that's higher than what you are portraying. And you're always going to be reminded of it. The world's not going to say, oh, gold star. Congratulations. (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, but you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong, you know? Yeah. So it's like shutting out the noise and recognizing like this is my goal, my standard. Yeah, I really love that.
1: I've always felt like I got into my own business basically to offset my life, not for my life to offset my business. You know what right. I mean? Like I didn't get in business for the purpose of being busy and suck up my life. I got into business to hopefully have a little more freedom and availability in this one life that you get. And So I feel like for me, it's very similar is is that freedom there to be able to do what it is that I need to do for my life and my family, which is important to me while still maintaining my business.
0: Yeah. And to me, it's also maintaining myself. That's where the money comes in, like some Botox. No, I don't mean that. I I mean more like being personally fulfilled. Yeah. Because I think that's where a lot of like, I think that's why half the world's depressed is because you're just, you're just not personally fulfilled in whatever you're doing, you know? And so I feel like for me, it's, did I, have I, Finish what I have sought out to do. And I don't even know what that is. I mean, it reminds me a lot. Like when she was talking about how she was so afraid to talk about Betty confetti. Cause it was the dream was too big. I know. I love that. Which I did think about you. Cause you say that all the time. I I think it's so interesting how much you kind of try to take up less space mm-hmm. and you're too afraid to put yourself out there and yeah. to make the world aware of these are my dreams and my goals for Fear. I mean, it's just pure fear, really, yeah. what, it, what it is. But maybe me sit there wondering, and I'm sitting here thinking like, do I have a dream that's too big to say? Do you have a dream that's too big to say? I don't know. Like, I like, I couldn't really think of anything. I mean, I feel like for me, it would just be multiple venues. Like I do want to be someone who owns. You did send me some information about yeah, some land this past weekend, um, but I do. I think I do think that. But sometimes it feels. It does feel silly. It feels possibly premature at this moment, even though I don't think it is.
1: I personally feel like it is a little premature at this moment. At this moment.
0: But I'm just so I, I guess there's that aspect of it. But the I guess the other part, if I was to like, be truly honest, it would be to speak more, I think, mm-hmm. to really be that expert. Because when I really think about it, and I take the uh, feeling of being slightly narcissistic off, because that's what I feel like when I like when you toot your own horn, yeah like, I think highly of myself. I don't actually think highly of myself. So I had to like tell my brain that this is the truth. Like, I do believe that we have run a successful business and we know how to do it. I know how to open the next venue and to be successful so much quicker and faster than we did right. here. And I know how to run an event venue, I know how to manage a team, I know how to create less burnout. In our space, like in our company, like I know how to do that. And I feel like there's so many times when you struggle with that imposter syndrome. And if I was to be true, like truly honest, like the big dreams would be to own that and to say that and educate about that. I think people I've been – I think I've
1: said this on another podcast – are, like, really searching for significance, like, whatever that means in their life. And to me, it would be significant to impact somebody else's life, bottom line, trajectory by kind of learning from my mistakes, inspiring them. Like, I want to inspire somebody to take some big steps in their life. Like, we felt inspired to take some big steps in our life. And it wasn't easy steps, right? But they were big steps. And there was a point that – I mean, maybe thanking the parents.
0: I really believe that we could do anything, and I'd like to have other people feel that way too. But don't you feel like we never had a cheerleader, like other than like the I obligatory see. parents, husbands, blah blah, whatever? But like, really, when you're looking at the yeah, industry, I,
1: I, I was talking to our um, our real estate agent because uh, we're buying a piece of property with her now, and she was. T- I walked her around the Bradford like since the renovation. She's like, I haven't been here since you guys opened. She's like, it's really changed a lot. She's like, and all I can see when I'm walking around was like how nervous I was for you girls. And I was thinking, I really hope those girls know what they're getting themselves into. She's like, and I'm just blown away. Like I could
0: have no idea like how successful it would be. Well, yeah, but I mean, but there was nobody like, there was no, there wasn't another venue in the industry that was like, good for you. I'm so excited oh, for I you. Know. It's like cutthroat. It was so cutthroat. And I and I feel like the, the tides changed a little bit. Yeah. But like, I don't want someone else to feel that way, to feel like, like for the longest time we separated C and D events in the Bradford, people didn't really even know that it was owned by us for like, it wasn't like super common knowledge. Like you could, if you dug for it, you could find it for fear that we would be taken off venue list. And we we were, and we have been taken off venue list because we own a venue. And it's exactly, and they say that exactly. It's because you own a venue, you are competition. Their fear, I guess, is that we're going to convince them to abandon their contract to come over to the Bradford. I don't really know, but that's the industry. Like, and so, no, we don't have room at the Bradford for them. <laughs> That's why we're here. Right? But I feel like, for me, I want to be someone else's cheerleader. Yeah, totally. I want to say, I don't care if you're two miles down the road, you know, I want to say, like, congratulations. I'd love to give you advice or help or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like we've tried to do that when we have the opportunities. Yeah.
1: For me, too, like, when you're talking about, like, uh, speaking and inspiring other people, I really have a hard time with... Knowing what my expertise is like, like, I understand like my roles in the company where I'm at. But I don't necessarily feel like, like the authority on
0: anything in particular. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but okay, so but it's like, your best friend is going through like, a really tough time with her kids, let's say, okay, like just struggle. Definitely not the authority on that. Well, yes, but she's sitting here. She's telling you these things Mm -hmm. and you're listening to it and you have these ideas. You're like, oh, well, have you tried this? Or like you're encouraging her that she's not a bad mother and she's coming to you not just vent, but to ask for help and advice. And so you're offering this help and advice. And we always say, I'm not the expert on this," But when you're listening to somebody else, you can see things differently when it's not in your life. And there's a lot of times you give advice, you're like, I should have taken my own advice when I told X, Y, Z. It doesn't mean that what you say isn't valuable just because you don't have the perfect children and you're not the perfect mother. And that's exactly where we have felt like why it's taken us so long to even do this podcast. It's that fear of who are we? What do we know? Why are we important? Why should anyone listen to us? You know, and at the end of the day, it's. Everyone has a voice. Everyone's voice is worth something and has just has worth to it. I've kind of gotten over the hump of yeah. imposter syndrome just by talking to my by talking myself out of it. Who's really the expert on anything? I mean, even the most famous people who like is, Brene Brown, she seems like the authority on shame. Yeah, she is a truly an like expert, an expert. But She probably still experiences shame. Yeah, she does. She says so. So, but she, but here she's telling you is that you shouldn't experience it. And she wrote a whole book about it and how to process it and how to get away from it. Yet she still experiences it herself. I, I,
1: that totally resonates with me though, that you will never feel like you made it. No one's standing at the end of your life to give you a special award or the end of your business or whatever, or the end of your day or week. You just kind of got to like have that internal knowledge that you're building and doing
0: your best life. Yeah. I also felt like her talking about like minimizing her problems. So, and it's so on point what we're going through right now because I would say 2020 is probably one of the most depressing like me personally being depressed years ever. Yeah. And it would come in these waves and I would be sitting at home with enough money to buy whatever groceries I want to buy, kids that were healthy, no one directly connected to me has passed away from COVID. We both have jobs. The business is not going under. It's hard, but it's not going under. And I just remember feeling so low, but so shameful of how I felt because I could easily turn to a friend of mine who's truly genuinely struggling. I could, I've had to send sympathy cards and flowers to friends who have lost grandparents and parents to this thing. And I'm like, here I am in my own little protective bubble that seems to be doing just fine. And I can't pull myself out of it. I feel like so many people feel that way. Like where you're just, I don't even know. I think shame is one of it, but I think it's actually when you are more, when you have perspective in life, when you can recognize mm-hmm. perspective that you have a hard time letting yourself feel yeah, because you have so much perspective.
1: I've suffered from that before. Like it was almost like a self, It's like a self-loathing cycle. Like you feel these things, but you feel bad that you feel these things. So it's just like, like I hate that I feel this way. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like this kind of vicious cycle. And I think that like feelings are transient. Like you feel them, you acknowledge them. And at some point you understand that they're going to pass, but that doesn't make them any less relevant in the moment. And I think that when you shove them down and you try not to feel them when they come up is when they become bigger things in your life than they were even meant to be like I think really feelings are just kind of like a like a marker for what's going on in somebody's life right like this is working this is not working you might need to tweak this or maybe it could just be like I remember um just recently my child came to me my seven-year-old and it was his bedtime and he was like I'm crying for no reason. I think it's time for me to go to bed. And he was tired. And he went to bed. And he like, was fine the next morning. But it was like such a moment of self awareness. Like I'm having these strong emotions, and they seem to have no reason. I must just be tired. Like it can just be your body telling you like, hey, like I'm tired. And I think with 2020, it was like so much mental fatigue, so many things that you had to process and you had to go through and Decision, 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 decision. Like that's what I felt like in the office. It was like every day you like kind of like girded up. Let me get my armor on. Let me have one more hard conversation. Let me change something up again because apparently this thing is never going away. And then even when you kind of got through the getting used to COVID, you had all the election stuff and you know the um, like kind of racial reckoning in the United States. Like there was just so many things to process and so many things to feel that even like that fatigue can bring up really strong emotions in people. And I think that acknowledging them and feeling them and talking about them is important. A lot of times like in our society, we kind of value people who have it all together, right? That are seemingly like self-reliant, like I don't need anybody, I got this, you know. And that is like totally not the way we are as humans.
0: And so like negating those feelings just makes them stick around for a whole lot longer. Right? I mean, I just think it I just think it's a cycle of feeling not good enough and definitely hard to get yourself out of it and i don't i never i don't think i really pulled myself out of it i think what pulled me out of it was some Xanax
1: <laughs> that's fine too
0: <laughs> that's what got me out of it yeah is to get me out of the funk you know and and just kind of make my mind rest a little bit but i mean i was having literal physical reaction like a physical response to it to and i still suffer from some of it today but to the point where I have no memory. Like, I can't remember anything from one second to the next. Like, I'm reading a recipe, and I walked, and I know I need to get the milk out. I walked to the fridge, and I can't remember why I walked to the fridge. So I have to walk back, and I'm like, I see the recipe book, and I realize, oh, I was getting the milk.
1: This is called becoming late 30s, Dana. No, but it's (laughs) It's only going
0: to get worse. No, but I mean, it is – and I I would do that before, but it was definitely like – a much more extreme version of it. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. It's not just age. It's more of your brain has never, never stops thinking, moving, processing, like the emotional on top of it. It's like there's not room for any other new information in there. I mean, down to the point where like, I'm actually like a pretty decent, like I can look at a word and recognize it's spelled wrong. I'm a decent speller, but I would like misspell – like I was writing a grocery list the other day and I wrote salad as S-A-L-L-E-D, which is like the weirdest that way is weird to spell salad. Like, and I didn't even recognize it until I was like an hour later. And I was like, what is a solid? Failed. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a new what? fruit. And I was, uh, I was talking, I had like an online therapist. I was talking to her and she was like, that's just literally like your body's telling you it's too much like it's too much like, yeah that you have no ability to retain information from minute to minute from hour to hour and you're just tired and like that was like one of those moments where I was like okay like something has to change in my life I don't know what it is because still is what it is but yeah yeah so I definitely felt that like I felt like it's And I look at like our business and we survived 2020. We got through the pandemic and it wasn't by sheer grace and blessings. It was just by sheer freaking hard work and hard decisions, hard conversations, conversations. like manual labor. I mean, it was not just because it's because we literally hustled the shit out of it. I recognize we could have done all that and it still couldn't have been successful. Yeah. But we have a nice product. So there's that. I don't know. I felt like she was a really – I thought she was a really great guest and someone that if you are nervous about starting – I feel like even her story about starting, that she is very risk-adverse and she did it in a way that was super safe and that never leveraged too much to where if it all came crashing down that she would be in a place where – Yeah.
1: And I I love that, like, that
0: intuition.
1: like. Her understanding what like makes her tick and it allowed her to be like her most creative self
0: do you know what I mean well yeah like I totally like I get that like I really get that but I love that like someone else is telling her like oh the best way to do this is take out a loan and she's listening to that person because they are the expert possibly at that point but they weren't the expert on her and what she needed and I feel like for so many new entrepreneurs They want to watch a YouTube video. They want to listen to a podcast and (laughs) someone tell them, this is what you should do. This is how you should do it. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I think the whole point, and I hope that the message you get from our podcast is there is no right or wrong way to do it. Everyone is at a different point in their journey of being an entrepreneur and some for you to open a a company or a business. Maybe you need to take the safe route. Maybe it needs to be all organic money that you don't take out loans and whatever, or maybe you need to be the person that jumps all in full body. Let's see how this shakes out. There is no right way to do it. And she's proof of that.
1: Yeah. I think there's no like roadmap. There's no like, if you do A, then B, then C, then you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. Dana's not going to write that book. Right. (laughs) So everyone has their own journey, honestly, and everyone has their own path. And I love how she took hers and she didn't compare her pace, which is probably slower than some others to others and allow that to make her make decisions that she would later regret. Cause when it, you know, when the pedal came to the metal and push came to shove, she was able to pivot in a way that was super successful for her business and a way that was safe for her and allowed her to still maintain that kind of creative freedom without being bogged down with
0: like financial stress and Things of that nature. Right. And what came out of it is her ultimate dream of Betty Confetti and this beautiful book about making oh, mistakes yeah. and turning. Oh, I just love that. Like turning your trash into beauty, like, or like something broken and thrown yeah. away into something that spreads joy and happiness and love. Like, that's so powerful. It is. I love talking to her about it
1: because I could feel her energy with it. And I, I know that probably sounds hokey, but there are certain times, it's not just someone who's super passionate but someone who is like operating in what I consider their zone yeah like you can like feel yeah. it, that energy between them right between you and them like when they're sharing something with you like this could be a someone who's like a mixologist and makes a great cocktail like I experienced this in Vegas with somebody yeah. and I was like I could tell that they were just operating in their passion and when she was talking specifically about Betty confetti you could just feel like how much passion and heart she had behind it. And you're like, wow, like I'm really experiencing this person talking to them. And I feel like that's to me, like, that's when you've made it. Like, I would love for someone to talk to me or listen to me or talk to somebody and be like, you know what? Like I can feel you like your authenticity when I'm talking to you or when I hear you speak. I think that says a lot about the path that she's taken and where she's at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, so what would you say was your favorite tidbit that she gave? I should say. Tidbit, the right word?
1: Well, and like my not real answer, I love the word jobby. I was so going to say a that. a job and a
0: hobby. I <laughs> love that. I was like, where was that word? Jobby. I, I know. It's a I, jobby. It's We had so a jobby true. for a while. Oh, I know. We did have C&D a jobby for a while. c was a jobby. It's a yeah. job hobby.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I love that. Um... Oh, I loved when she said that when you are starting a business, that it's all inside of you. Like everything that you oh, yeah. need to cross that finish line is yeah. inside of you. And you have to believe that before anyone else is going to believe it. And I think that that is totally true, that you have to believe that you can do it before anyone else is going to believe it. That was my favorite little snippet. So what was your favorite like takeaway from this episode?
0: I personally loved it when she was talking about when you're faithful with a little, you'll be given a lot. Because I feel like that's very much how I approach business in general, is you definitely being the ideas person. And so you want to go from zero to 60, like instantaneously. And I'm like, well, can we like go 10 miles per hour? Make sure this works. Let's have a good process. Let's make sure we're serving that area of our business well enough before we try to take this massive leap. Because I feel like it's just such great advice. Like, if you put in the energy and the effort with just a few, yeah, it pays off in the end. Yeah,
1: yeah I love that. I think that's great advice. All right. Well, that was a great episode. hope Yay. you guys enjoyed it as much as we did.
0: I know. And yeah. if you haven't checked out Betty Confetti, make sure you do. It is a beautiful book. It's great to read to your daughters and your sons. And it's a great adult book as well. Yeah. I think it definitely
1: speaks to all of us. And Yeah turning our mistakes into something different or just being okay with making mistakes. All right, thanks everyone for gathering with us today to talk about the hustle. To learn more about Megan Taylor, visit allshewrotenotes.com
0: or follow her on Instagram at allshewrotenotes. And to learn more about our hustles, visit cndevents.com, thebradfordnc.com and hustlinggather.com. Or follow us on Instagram at cndevents, thebradfordnc and at hustleandgather. And if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This product is a production of Your Fluence. I'm Courtney.
1: And I'm Dana. And we'll talk with you next time on Hustle and Gather.